feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. I'm Chris. This is Dom. Give our social media accounts just a quick follow right there. Um, give our YouTube a quick follow and like on some of our stuff. We're trying to get this podcast cooking. And uh, other than that, we record right here at Angle Studios, Angle Studio in Tucson, Arizona. And you know what? Let's get into the episode, man. We got a good one. Let's do it. We're back on the gridiron, Chris. That's right. And uh, who do we got? We're talking Jerome Bettis, one That's of the right. best in Dom's heart. He has a spot that will never go away. Nope, never. Not not ever. The bus. I love you. <laughs> but uh, Jerome Abram Bettis, born February 16th, 1972 in Detroit, Michigan. Oldest of three kids to Gladys and Johnny. Uh, as a youngster, didn't even play football. You know what his sport was, Chris? Bowling. Bowling. That's right. I mean, he could have come up just like an Amish guy, you know, and had been coached by someone that got their hands stuck in the return machine. I was thinking maybe a couple of white Russians, but yep. you know what? Any, you plug the bowling movie of the weird white guy and we'll go for it. <laughs> Near the In and Out Burger. Near the In and Out Burger. Oh, Donnie. Are we gonna get In and Out Burger? <laughs> Lives off Radford. No. <laughs> Good day to you, sir. Yep. So uh anyway, uh at this time period, uh his parents were very hardworking, but it was very tough to make ends meet. Yep. Rough Gr- rough growing up. Very rough growing up. This is the uh Detroit era of Robocop mm-hmm. because we need to name all our children Murphy because that was Robocop's name. It's true. Uh, he, there was a crack house next door and he ended up getting involved in, uh, that type of, uh, vocation, I guess we should say. Well, let's just say like freshman, sophomore year, high school, Mm -hmm. he joins the football team. He is kind of like looked at as kind of a star, but he has this almost like double life where he is selling crack outside of this house. That's like either right next to or down the street or whatever Mm -hmm. the thing is. And, it's almost kind of like you look at it where it's like he's definitely like probably living like a double life. Well, you know? he, he basically said uh, he saw one of his friends. They got rolled up on. Uh, he had his friend's bicep blown off in a shootout. Yep. And after that, he was like, whoa. Yes. Time to stop. Time to stop. But the fact that he didn't play. And he's a big dude. So the fact that he didn't play football until his freshman year at McKenzie High School there in Detroit. His coach, Bob Dozer, said he came up to him and he's like, you're black Superman. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> well, he asked him if he could play. He was just like, of course he could play for me. <laughs> There's always a, we could get rid of that kicker that kicks barefoot. Yep. But uh, he's the best player in the state of Michigan. Yes, that's yeah. that's what the so that's what you look at some of these guys and their lives could have gone two different ways. And he literally goes from selling crack to he's number one running back in the state. And I think he's the number two linebacker in the state. And they were just like, Oh yeah, yeah. That's probably the best thing that ever could have happened to him. He actually said he was a better linebacker than fullback. At I the saw time, that, yeah. which I think is like, could you imagine him playing linebacker? Yeah. He's like, what about five eleven? And at this the time, speed, yeah, he, at this time he's about 250 pounds at this time. Yep. And we'll get into, well, how large he gets, but yes, uh, you know the best fullback in the entire state of Michigan, and he decides to go to Notre Dame. Yep, and enters a very stacked team. A couple years off the national championship, 
He's playing in a very crowded backfield, so he doesn't play a lot as a freshman. Yeah, they compete behind Ricky Waters, Tony Brooks, Rodney Culver. Dorsey Levin's transferred. He made a Pro Bowl with the Packers. Yeah. And then our guy, the Rocket, Spiderweb right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was there in 1990. Um, Lost the Orange Bowl that year to uh, Colorado on that Rocket Ishmael. Just listen to that episode. It's a good one. But then we get into his sophomore season, which is still, I was just going to say, which is still in the books for uh, Notre Dame for rushing or for all-around touchdowns. So this is when I first kind of really got into college football and my dad was an nd oh, alum yeah so for sure. these for were sure. the teams i started watching and bettis was always like my favorite on these teams yep so that season he has 972 yards rushing 16 touchdowns on the ground leads a team four receiving touchdowns and his 20 are still a school record yep. even today which is amazing and then he has three more in the sugar bowl so this was <laughs> this is an interesting game so January 1st, 1992, the Sugar Bowl. They're playing Florida. And yep. Florida, I think, has lost one game or hasn't lost yet. Steve Spurrier came out before the game because Notre Dame, had, I think they had lost a cup two, three games during the regular season, and a lot of people didn't think they should be there. Before the game, he said, what's the difference between Notre Dame and Cheerios? Cheerios belong in a bowl. And, and that's, Bettis woo! goes out and just says... That sparked that fire. Oh, my God. 150 on the ground, three tutties. And they're all like long runs. Which And you're seeing, that guy's 250, 255 pounds. I was just going to say... everyone. And this is where he gets his nickname, uh, The Bus, because you would think he is a short down, like three and dust. And No, he has these breaks where he's just running through people and just keeps going. His The difference between him and these larger backs that have come before him and come since, he has the quickest feet of any of them. Yep. His, his quick feet allowed him to basically not only make cuts, but also run around people too. Yeah. Like that was, you see this and you're like, that is not possible. Yes. That's not possible. They win 39 to 28. Um, going into the next year, um, he's sharing this, this, see the thing why he doesn't win a Heisman trophy essentially is he's sharing the ball with three other running backs mm-hmm. in this offense. So uh, the following season in 92, he has 825 yards and 10 touchdowns on the ground, two touchdown catches. And that year, uh, Saturday after Thanksgiving, I was actually at the game at the Coliseum where they beat USC. Oh, that's awesome. My dad and I went to that game. I think Reggie Brooks had like over 200 yards. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, they, they beat him uh, 31 to 23, uh, 89 yards and a touchdown. They're basically thunder and lightning, him and Brooks. Yeah. Know, kind of the scat back. Um, they won uh, 10 games in a row um they go to the cotton bowl that year against texas a&m it was 11 and 0 and it was in this game that even more so than the sugar bowl the year before where you're like he might not stay mm-hmm. he played really well and i yeah. mean this is texas a&m heyday of the wrecking crew great run defenses great defense overall 75 yards rushing and two touchdowns and then he had a touchdown catch too from rick meyer mm-hmm. so they won uh 28 to 3 against the uh, Southwest Conference champs. And after discussing it with his family, he decides to leave early. Yep. And, which you can kind of tell he's definitely, when you're going and you're going to be a first round back, you're, you're essentially like giving up so much money not to go. It, it, no, 100%. It has to be. Well, when, when you thought about the team the following year, there weren't a whole bunch of dudes coming back. That too. This is, Rick Meyer was leaving and everything. Yep. So. That too. So it is a, a 
conscious decision for definitely not to come back that senior year. He he enters the draft. He did get his business degree though. Oh yeah, a couple and of years ago I saw that. I thought was he, cool. He came back and finally finished. So good yep. for you, Bus. Um, so goes to the uh, uh, ninety three draft. Yep. You know who the first running back taken was? No, I don't. We did remember. an episode on him. Ninety three, third pick. Garrison Hurst. Oh, Hurst, yeah. He was the first pick, uh, oh, running yeah. back pick. And then Bettis probably goes to the best situation for him I was to just make gonna... it as a running back because he goes to the Rams with Chuck Knox. And this is the L.A. Rams who were there. Were... They've always been in L.A., right? Well, I just mean that before they <laughs> before they go to Florida and then... <laughs> and then back to, back to my Oakland where uh, nobody cared. So, yes, thank you. Oh, uh, they went to Utah where they don't allow jazz. Oh, uh, Dom's got stuff going off. Sorry, I'm a watch. Uh, but uh, yeah, he gets drafted by the Rams, and you're right. Chuck Knox is probably the best coach where it, it's the philosophy is right into the type of back he is. I could guarantee you if he went to another team, they would have tried to make him more of a fullback in an offense. They would have tried to make him more of a blocking back, like almost what Tampa did with Allstott when mm-hmm. maybe they would, and we'll get into that later, but with Bettis, it's the perfect opportunity. Cause Chuck Knox is like, you're my new Kurt Warner. Yes. You're my new, every guy I coach with the Rams in the seventies. So he goes there and has an, he wins rookie of the year. His yes, first year. Pretty much. That's, that should be the stamp that you look on it. When, when he comes off of it, you're just like, Oh yeah, he's offensive rookie of the year. He has like 1,429 yards. Mm-hmm. He's all pro. Like, it's the perfect fit. Led the NFL with 79 first down rushes and 38 that, runs of 10 or more yards. Yep. I remember they played the Steelers like week two or three that year. He just ran right through them. Like, yeah. He, they, they were a freaking sieve against him. Unfortunately, they go 5-11 and 11 because they don't they, have a quarterback. They, yeah, they aren't a great team. This is a recurring theme for much of this poor bastard's career. Yep. 94, they go 4-12 and 12 because Jim Everett left. So TJ Rubley, come on down. Still makes the Pro Bowl, though. Uh, 94 has over 1,000 yards rushing. Uh, 31 catches a career. It, not, he's not Marshall Falk, but yes. if you're running shovel passes and screens, he's a reliable if you're, valve. Yeah, if you're playing to his strengths, he, is, he really is that guy that you want. Um, we get to 95. They move to St. Louis. Which he's talked about this. He was perfect fit in L.A. His yep. personality he said he was hanging out with Kareem. I doing- wanted to bring that up, hanging out with Kareem and Magic. And he's like, and I'm a ladies man. Yes, so he is. L.A. was his spot. Going from L.A. to St. This this was the, the off season. I felt like this is where you see guys who have all of the tools. The only thing that messes it up is like. Off off field stuff. Imagine being magically whisked away to St. Louis. It's, well, so he's going but, to St. Louis. He's still on his rookie contract, and he goes, "I've just been the best running back that you guys have had for the last whatever, if, and you're not going to give me a new contract." And if Emmett Smith doesn't have that freakish game against the Giants, we talked about. Yep, he wins the rushing title as a rookie. Like. Um, he deserves a new contract. Unfortunately, probably would have got it if they didn't fire Chuck Knox. Yeah. But they hire Rich Brooks from Oregon, and that's just like oil and vinegar. It's not even like Hugh Honey and Vic Vinegar. It's a terrible combination. Well, he, he and this is, this is what they said it was. 
one of the things where it's a horrible start. He's battling for a new contract. The new coach wants him to just show up and work. When he does, he tells him he's too fat. There's so many yeah. there's so many of these things that like that Bettis is just kind of like I'm not going to play a hundred percent for you, but which, I, you're treating me like garbage. And yes. I'm the best player on this team. Exactly. And what's did, did you hear the Lou Holtz story? Where after that first game in Green Bay, yes. where he did really bad, where he's like, "I, I don't called know. Jerome and I was like, <laughs> there must have been somebody wearing your jersey out on the field because that you? wasn't you." And he's like, "I hung up the phone." I'm like, "When Lou Holtz trolls you, you're at like less than zero. Uh, I, you are Robert Downey Jr. with blow all over your face." I didn't even let him respond. I was just like, "Yeah, wasn't it click?" So they lose their last seven games. I th- or they, yeah, no, 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 wait, wait. They lost their last seven in 94. 95, I, start, I think they started 6-0, and 5-0, yep. and, and they go 7-9. and nine. He had only 637 rush yards that year, and he was essentially phased out of the offense. Yes, yes. He talked about that offseason retiring, going back to Notre Dame, yep. and just doing his thing. And just doing something else. So... That offseason, he knows he's not coming back. Yep. And I don't know if you ever saw Rich Brooks talk about this, but God, what a dick. He's like, you could say the way I treated him and where he ended up going, I'm the reason he's in the... And it's like, oh, you oh, bet. That is some old white man logic. Yep. So the Rams make it no secret that offseason he's available for yeah. a trade. So there's a lot of teams that are interested in him. They choose his replacement, Lawrence Phillips, who had more murdered people in prison than Pro Bowl appearances. Uh, went into, uh, watch your Nebraska episode. That's yeah. a good one. Good man. Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, uh, they asked, um, because sometimes organizations are actually cool where they ask where you would prefer. And the interest, interested teams were the Oilers and the Steelers. Well, heading, I mean, one thing about the Steelers, though, is probably they probably would not have been interested if, if, thank you. So they we just won the AFC championship. They have a great power back in and Bam, Bam Morris. Morris. If you've never seen that guy's highlights when he was in Pittsburgh, go and watch him. That dude was a freak. But, he scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. You're thinking this is the this is the next guy. This is the Bam next guy. Bam liked to smoke that devil's lettuce. Not only liked smoking it, liked trafficking it in Texas in the 90s. He was on that David Stoudemire. I, I mean, that is just some... Ooh, that was a lot of, I think it was six pounds. You're trying to traffic in Texas in the 90s, yep. and it's still not legal there. That's, I mean, I guess the money's good, but man, anyway, cops bust them. Bust them at a traffic stop. The Steelers are like, well, we need a power back. Yep. And it came down, like you said, to the Oilers and the Steelers. Um, go listen to our 96 draft episode. We kind of allude to this. The Steelers were actually thinking of taking. Mike Allstott, oh, if, yes, they yes. if they couldn't execute this get. trade, which that dude would have been just beloved because they would have given him the ball like they did Bettis. Like they did Bettis. And this trade went down, I think, either the day before or on draft day. No, it was draft day. It was yeah. during the first round. Um, so what ends up happening is they make a trade with St. Louis. 420, Poetic Justice, Bam Morris. Thank you for your service. Thank you, Bam. <laughs> 420, poetic justice. Oh, so Bettis and a third rounder from the Rams go to Pittsburgh for their 96 second rounder and 97 fourth rounder. Um, you want to go into why the Steelers were the team they made the deal with? 
Oh, well, what do you mean? Because he... he so he picked the Steelers over the Oilers. Because of their storied franchises. Essentially, yeah. what I heard, he was just like, I wanted to go to a, a franchise that was had been established. And I felt like he looked at the 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 culture of the Steelers. Yeah. And it was like, that's kind of like fits me. Well, the Oilers, I don't know if you know, they ended up because this trade didn't go through. They took Eddie George. Oh yeah. So it's like, oh, not, it's like if there's consolation prizes, that's not that's the worst good. one. Yeah. Um. So in '96, he comes in, comeback player of the year, first yep. team All Pro, 1,400 plus yards rushing, 11 touchdowns. Um. And I did want to bring up one game this season, November 3rd, '96. The Rams come to Three Rivers Stadium in the ultimate revenge game. They literally have video of him on the sideline, like. You're done with me? Yeah. You're done with me? And you're just like, yeah, that's that's the bettest that you know. They said I was done, over with. Yeah, well, I, I do love the fact that you're like comeback player, and you're like, he wasn't the problem. No. That's the thing that always pisses me off. You're just like, he wasn't the one that, you know? The best part was is in that game, he had a 50-yard tutty where he ran away from everybody, where it was just like, oh, I was fat and slow. Exactly. I don't exactly. believe that's the... I think in that game, oh God, what was it? I don't think the offense, uh, they only attempted 15 passes. They just kept uh, just ramming the ball down their throat. This is the time when the Steelers don't have a lot of yes. great play at quarterback. Yep. Um, they're 10 and 6. They win the division. Uh, destroy the Colts, scores two touchdowns in the wild card game. And then yep. they play basically Fog Bowl to Electric Boogaloo up in Foxborough and get the shit beat out of them. Uh, they, they couldn't do anything in that game. No. Uh, 97 is probably his best season. I would, this was one of my favorite seasons yeah. ever. Uh, led the league in carries, career high 1,665 rushing yards, seven touchdowns. He would have had more if his court. I think Stewart had like 10 on the ground that year. And he didn't play the last game. Yeah. He didn't play the last game against the Titans, or they were still the Oilers yeah. at the time. Um, they go 11 and 5. They win the NFC cent- or AFC Central. They beat New England in a very weird game, mm-hmm. seven to six. I think they were on like their fourth string running back, New England. Like it was just a very bizarre decision making game. And then they go to the AFC Championship the next week and destroy my soul because I lived in Denver at the time. Yep. Stewart had th- Bettis had a great game. He had a gr- he had over a hundred yards on the ground. Um, unfortunately, when your quarterback it's, throws three interceptions, <clears throat> you're not going to do anything. So the Broncos go on. Uh, the next two seasons. Are re- three, if you want to go in, are really shitty. Stewart loses his job again uh, to Mike Tomzak. And mind you, he has 615 carries over these two seasons, 98, 99. He is running into eight, nine-man boxes. Yep. That w- is what is so fascinating, you have to understand. They know where the ball is going to go. Yeah, they're stacking it for it. And he's just running over people. Ray Lewis had the best description where he's like, it's like hitting a tree stump. Yeah, no, like, seriously. You can't get low. You can't do anything about it. Um over 2,200 yards between the two seasons. In 98, they lost their last five. Uh, do you want to bring up the Thanksgiving game? Oh, in 98. 98. Where they, they, he calls so, tails. <laughs> I was just going to say, so they're they're going to overtime against the Colts. Lions. Oh, Lions. Okay. Um, he gets, which is very normal because I imagine he's defensive, ca- or I mean offensive captain or whatever. So he goes out to call the coin toss, and if you listen to the thing, 
it's just not a clear thing of him saying tails, but re-listening to it, you're yeah. like, I obviously heard him say tails. Yeah. There's not like, I get that it's like a stadium, it's muffled, all of that shit. He says tails. The ref says, all right. So he says heads, flips it. It goes to tails. And he's like, what the hell? Like, I called tails. I think I set a record for expletives in a row it's at 11. It's crazy. I mean, I'm because just saying. I hope well, Phil Luckett, I hope you're servicing men outside of rallies right now. It's crazy <laughs> to think that it's it's that was it's still de- decided on that. Yeah, so they 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 just completely bomb out. The next season it's even worse. 99 they lose 7 of their last 8 and basically they are in full rebuild mode. Yes. This is as painfully crappy and mediocre as they are now. This was like rock bottom for them. But 2000, they get uh, Mike Malarkey as their new offensive coordinator. Or no, 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 no. Gilbride is still there. Malarkey's the following season. But Stewart kind of comes on. And by that point, they finish 9-7 and seven after starting 0-3. Bettis has uh, over 1,300 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. And the offensive line is now starting to get rebuilt because you got Fanica and the rest of those guys joining up. And you, and you start to see the Steelers of that good run of the 2000s starting to get built i don't know how we were sold fucking kent graham and cordell stewart but come on man oh jeez. uh 2001 it's this one breaks this one breaks my fucking uh thousand yards but then he he gets a gets a hip injury a groin injury yeah 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 um well, I think it was both. So I yeah. think he had like one of those things where it's like nagging both injuries, where it's like one causes the other. He had um, over a thousand and eleven games. That's what I that, mean. I so mean, he's he's out early and he's in sporadically. Um, Zeroway and Ma Fala did a good job though in taking over relief, and Malarkey designed a lot of quarterback mm-hmm. using his leg stuff for Stewart to kind of mitigate, you know, his limitations and as a passer. They win thirteen games. Everything is set for him. They, he doesn't play in the divisional round against Baltimore. That's what I mean. He's still they're still bringing him back slow. Do you, do you know why though? Mm-mm. He was going to play in that game. The shot that they gave him for his groin hit a nerve. And oh damn! So I'll never forget before the game. So Zaraway played and he played pretty well yeah. against Baltimore. They won um, twenty-seven to ten. And then the next week, Drew Bledsoe comes in. With the camera crew and those, and, uh, <laughs> and those Pats and those I, American I, Patriots, I will never unsee that blocked field goal from that game and that t- I will never. That's crying it's game. Brutal. It's, it's brutal. Um, so they lose uh, AFC to the Patriots, and then you see him kind of. This is where like. The next two seasons are rough for him. I was going to say, he starts to get sporadic with injuries and stuff like this. And people start kind of saying, like, this is what we told you was going to happen with this type of back and all that kind of stuff. But he's already played a decade. Exactly. And he's played it without any any quarterback assistance. That too. So it's all him. It's like, yeah. So in 2002, what ends up happening is Stewart is just so like, this is the end. Thank God Mm -hmm. they bring in American hero, Tommy Maddox from the old XFL million dollar game in the arena. (laughs) Go listen to our uh, playoff episode on him and their offense completely changes. Yeah, it really does. So they're a pass first offense with Ward, Burris, Randall L and Zaraway because of his ability to catch the ball and is more bringing more speed to the table ends up seeing a lot more work 
than and, and Bettis. His, well, his role just kind of changes after this injury where he is the kill the game out. He is the, yeah. you know what I mean? And he just, he's getting less, like you said, the offense changes to a more pass-heavy offense. So they went, they make the playoffs. Um, he's outrushed that year by Zeroway. Yeah. He scores nine touchdowns because who are you going to go to another goal Exactly. Line? But they win that insane who are you game against call? the Brown Ghostbusters. Thank Bettis. you. <laughs> Then they lose the divisional round against the Titans. Uh, did not watch that game live. You know why, Chris? I was busy wrestling a blind kid. Oh, my God. I had to watch it on tape. And oh, man. We... Joe Nedney, I hope you're with Phil Luckett just doing stuff outside of rallies. You, f- you f- fake diving piece. You are like Gordon Bombay's ducks before they find their way. Quack. Quack. <laughs> so he only had four carries for four yards in that. He was a spectator. Mm-hmm. That whole 2002 postseason, uh, 2003, every, this is the Murphy's Law season. Everything that goes wrong as far as injuries, yep. ineffectiveness. They bring him on late in the year, though, and he's still proven he can kind of contribute be, to yeah, the team. be in the team. Um, ends up with uh, 830 yards, um, base, or no, 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 2003, 811 yards and seven touchdowns rushing. Um, they go 6-10. and 10. So they're picking 11th in the 04 draft. And there was a lot of speculation, I remember, before, like when the regular season ended, before like guys' free agency and stuff happened. They're going to take uh, Steven Jackson, who was a really good running back yep. on some really bad teams like Bettis was um, early in his career. But they signed you Staley to be the starter. So they're bringing Bettis back as the backup. As again. a backup. And Staley was, you know, starting running back in the NFL. I mean, yeah. he still had plenty of tread left on the tires um, for them. But uh, then they're like, oh, man, take an offensive tackle. We're like a right tackle away from building our own line. And they're like, no, we're finally going to give him a quarterback. Yep. They, and they decided to take uh, old uh, Ben, I'll take you in the bathroom, Ross, That's Roethlisberger. Right. Our messiah. <laughs> so, which was, again, the perfect quarterback for, I feel like, this system, all of that kind of stuff, where he had the big, powerful arm. He is like the quarterback that you want. He was QB three week one. Yeah, yeah. So what ends up happening is week one that year is great. Do you want to talk? So they play the Raiders in the first week in 2004, and he has the most insane because they're old. Staley is getting them. I think he had a couple hundred yards. Like I mean, he was doing fantastic before he got hurt that year. He's leading them up and down the field. Bettis is your closer in that Raiders game, which they won. He had three touchdowns rushing on five carries for one yard. So just to be clear, he averaged .02 yards a carry with three touchdowns. It's one of my favorite it's stats. My favorite it's stats so in good. All sports. It's so. I remember watching that game because he they would only bring him in side the five. Mm-hmm. So there were a couple runs he just got blasted. Yep. Um. So the next week though, they're prepared to just roll with Maddox and be like, yeah. a wild card spot will be nice. Yeah. He screws up his elbow against the Ravens. They put in Roethlisberger, and then they just don't lose after that game. Mm-hmm. Staley gets hurt. They put in Bettis, and he has a renaissance season. Goes for 941 on the ground, 13 touchdowns. 13. What they essentially did the rest of the season as they kept winning was, let's just protect our rookie quarterback. Yep. Our offensive line's great. Our running game's great. Then go play action and just eat teams alive and let our defense. That's that was the whole game plan the whole season, mm-hmm. and it worked. It worked. Uh, the divisional round they beat only the Jets could have lost this game. 
If they had played anyone else, the Steelers would have lost. But yep. Doug Bryan missed a field goal at the end of regulation. Then in overtime, Bettis had a huge TD in this game. Uh, they won 20 to 17. And then uh, the following week, let's just say they ran 2001 back and lost, lost 41 to 27. To the old Pats. Yeah. And that's, and to be honest, this is when you get to where Bettis, he literally. It made Heinz Ward cry. At the end of this game, he was like crying. He he was like in his mind, he was like, I feel like this is my last game ever. Um, he decided to do probably something that was smart was take some time away before he yeah. made the decision. Um, the things that got him to come back was Ben. Ben promised him. Promised him. He's like, we're going to make the Super Bowl next year if you come back. Where's the Super Bowl? He had a new daughter. That's who. And then the Super Bowl is literally where he's from in Detroit. And that all of these things like together where it was the, you know what I mean? Where it's just like the soup that got him to come to the table. Where it was just like all of those things with the, the quarterback that he finally has. Yeah. Yeah. That that. that. The one thing missing so that he's yep. going back for. So he's injured to start this year. Staley's injured to start this year. Yep. But they get Willie Parker off the practice squad. And for like, there was like a four year window where that guy was just it's beginning this season where he was just one of the best running backs in the AFC and fast, mm-hmm. like the opposite of Bettis. Yep. Uh, so he had over 1,200 yards rushing. Uh, Bettis is the closer. They start seven and two. Then they have that losing three-game losing streak. And we get into, they're coming off his three-game losing streak. And this is the iconic game for him. December 11th, 2005. They're in the snow at Heinz Fielding in Chicago. It's a bad weather game. And who do you need in your bad weather games? I was going to say, because he, he works perfect for that. So yeah. he just has one of these games where he kind of takes over. And yeah. it, to, leading into the end of this season, I feel like he has a couple of them. So yeah. it's it's nice. So what was it? The joke was the bus put a snow tires on. Yep. 17 carries, 101 yards, two touchdowns. His last 100-yard game as a professional football player. There was uh, the iconic moment. If, if you had a snapshot of one play in his career, they're on the goal line. They give it to him. You have Fanica pulling in front of him to and the he, right side, and he meets Erlacher at the goal line and, and runs, runs him, him over. over. Yep. Oh God! And that this is when Erlacher is the top. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's it's literally you're just like yes, that's what I want to see. Week seventeen against the Lions. Yep. Forty one yards, three TDs. Like we were saying, he is the closer that comes in, like literally red zone man. Where you're just like, give it to him. He's just gonna make it. Well, at that point, he does not weigh two hundred fifty pounds anymore. That's true. It's like oh, his jiggling is almost hypnotic. <laughs> yes. It's like a lava lamp. What's this for? I just felt like he needed to lose some weight. <laughs> so good. Uh, so the wild card, the, they play the Bengals. Uh, the going in, they're sixth. So going through these, they playoffs, had to win their. They had to win their last four games you. Just to make the playoffs. This is what I want to say. And going into these playoffs, they had to win every single game as an away team. So they meet the Bengals. They beat the Bengals. Lead the team in rushing. Touchdown in that game. Win 31-17. That's right. They meet the Colts. They beat the Colts. Listen this to that is, episode. Well, he plays a very interesting role in this game. A scary, scary moment for them. They're up three points right at the end of the uh right at the end of the game. I think they're on like the three. Yeah. And Bettis gets the ball and I, I 
saw somebody talking about this. It wasn't Ben, but it was somebody. They were just like, yeah, yeah. Every single team would have wanted Bettis to have the ball in this moment. He hadn't fumbled for the entire year. If they had called any other play, I would have lost my shit. Well, it's like, like why the, would you do that? It's like the Seahawks with Fault. Or I mean with uh, Lynch. Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? It's like literally like that where you're just like, what are we doing? If Lynch but, had fumbled, you would have just gone, you know what? That All is right. the worst luck ever. But that's almost what happened to yeah. the Steelers, where Bettis fumbles, and then you have Big Ben, who's like, I'm getting you to the Super Bowl. We're going. And he makes something that I don't think a quarterback has ever done in their entire lives. He makes an actual tackle where you're like, oh, my God. The Colts do march down the field yeah. and miss, like I think, like a 41-yarder, which is 47 not. 47-yarder okay. from Banerjack. Yep. Oh, yeah. The so I'm just redemption. I'm just saying. So that that is one of those things that Bettis said too, where he was just like, "I can't imagine I fumbled," and then I literally turned around, seeing Ben just like wrap him up, and you're just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> oh, Pepper needs new shorts. Yep. So they beat the Colts. You know, they go to their first ever. They're going to Detroit. The the thing. No, that, they have another game. Oh yeah, I'm that. sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. They they, they go to game. the AFC. They go to the AFC against Denver, which I imagine was quite the contention in your house. No, because I was in Hawaii at the time. So, okay, wrestling blind kids in Hawaii. Yeah, exactly. No, I I. I, you know what it's like when you wait eight years for something to happen and it finally happens and you're like, felt pretty good. Felt pretty good. <laughs> that day felt pretty good. Felt pretty good. Scored. Uh, but he, to me, the, his touchdown was, it wasn't the capper like wards after it. But oh, yeah. when he scored to put him up 17 to three, that's when all those idiots at Invesco shut up. Yep. That I mean, that took everyone out of it and like two plays later, Plummer threw the pick to Taylor, and then Ward scored, and then, yep. and then the game was just over. And so they win 34-17, and where's he going, Chris? He's going to the Super Bowl. He's going back to Detroit. And the thing that uh, – this is what I was – I got ahead of myself there. What he kept saying before and during the game was just like, just get me there. Just get me to go home. I'm going home, baby. <laughs> um, goes to Detroit, meets up with the Seahawks, and they pretty much dominate this game. If they- of all of their playoff games, they played the worst in this game. But yes, but the Seahawks played so much. The worse. Seahawks, Mike Holmgren, for whatever reason, just took the day off as far as coaching. Yeah, really. Though Sean it's- Locklear got abused by Clark Hagens, and the refs couldn't stop throwing flags at him. And their kicker, I think, missed two field goals. Well, I feel like sometimes the stage is just too big for guys. Where it's yeah. just like you kind of look at that, and that's why sometimes Super Bowls are bad. You're right, where they didn't have a great game, and they still were just. They, they like it felt like the Seahawks were like never in it, you know. No, I mean they 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 pulled when they pulled fourteen to ten. They were driving and then Hasselbeck threw that stupid pick yep. to Taylor, and the Steelers, to their credit, they tried to get the bus a touchdown. Didn't end up happening. Didn't happen. But, but he was their closer at the end of the game. Yeah, well, they that's were, what I mean. They ran out that 10. clock. Won twenty one ten. He. And so he almost ended his career on an AFC loss. He ends his career on a Super Bowl championship. That's something that you can't even like. It's so good. Yeah, no, I mean, and calls it a career. It, like on the podium with Tarico and yep. Dan Patrick, I think. Um, so he finished his career as the fifth all-time leading rusher in the NFL. 13,662 rushing yards, 91 touchdowns, almost 1,500 receiving yards, three touchdowns. Did you know he's not even the leading rusher 
for the Steelers? That was one of my favorite because I, I, if anybody would have asked me that, I would have 100% been like, of course he is. No, he had like 3,500 yards for the Rams. Yeah. And uh, I forgot who it was. Franco. Franco has literally him beat, and you're just like, that actually is kind of funny. It's a so, strange thing. See, yeah. look at the starting line. Nobody ever knows he plays for the Rams. I know. Because he's so iconic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Six-time Pro Bowl or two-time All-Pro, Super Bowl champion, and Pro Football Hall of Famer. And Bus. the well, uh, just to end it on this, I feel like he has one of those NFL stories that you're like, oh yeah, if that was in a movie, I'd be like, come on, guys. Yep. <laughs> That's why I love it. Just the coming back, Ben's like, I'll get you there, and then they come back and win that Super Bowl. Yeah, man, that must have creamed your jeans. Yeah, that, that, I, I'm going to leave it at that. I mean, that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs>